Belagar Ironhammer is the king of Karak Eight Peaks, an ancient dwarf hold long ago besieged and overrun by Skaven and Night Goblins. For centuries his clan were forced to wander, until at last Belagar's army gained a foothold in the above-ground fortifications. From here, he constantly launches forays to break the stranglehold of the greenskins and ratkin that muster in the darkness below. In battle, Belagar is a force to be reckoned with. Hammer in hand, he summons the wrath of his forebears to steal his sinews and guide his aim as he pummels his foes into a bloody ruin. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, Skarsnick, what you got? <laughs> Skarsnick! He's <laughs> the chieftain of the Crooked Moon Tribe, the most powerful night goblin in the world's edge mountains. <laughs> All the surrounding greenskin tribes acknowledge Skarsnick's overlordship of the peaks and valleys and upper levels of the ruined dwarfhold of Karaki Peaks. That'll do for Skarsnick. Nice. All right, the battle for Karakate Peaks. Yeah, it is. Uh, anybody want to lay bets on Skarsnick? Belagar versus Skarsnick. All right, I'll, I'll put I'm okay. putting a dollar on Skarsnick. All right, All right. nice. All okay, right. my, do- right. my dollar on Belagar. All right, I'll, I'll side with you because I'm on this side of the I'll, table. I'll, I'll, I'll go with Tom. Belagar. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. okay. All right, we're the goblin side of the table. All right. This uh, is a representative oh, dollar. All right. Tom, you're rolling Belagar. Let's roll for first turn. Okay, hang on right, one second. Let's just describe exactly Whoa. what we got here. Oh, we yeah. got we got Belagar Ironhammer uh, <coughs> proxied because he's not In out the yet. blue corner. Um, and uh, we got Skarsnick with Goblet uh, in the red corner. And they're about, what, like 18 inches apart? Something yeah, like no. that? Okay, and it's a fight to the death. We're in... Some deathmatch arena in Karak Eight Peaks. Yeah, they've just spotted each other, each other. from across yep. the battlefield. Yeah, they both walk out of a bar, hacking their way through the other armies. That's it. Mm-hmm. All right, let's roll for first turn. First turn. All right, All right. first turn. Skarsnik gets oh, a three. Oh, Skarsnik gets it. All right. All right. Skarsnik. So I'm gonna sp- not gonna move. <laughs> I'm gonna go straight to the what? magic phase. Let's see if all Skarsnik can get some prodder. Oh, oh no! Double, double ones. Double the wins ones of magic. For the you magic get, phase. That means you get one. All right. Do you channel? Well, I'm a dwarf, so I get an extra one dice. Just, just free. You get right? an extra. Is that? Oh, oh no, 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 no. Oh, no. I get to add two to my. To there my, you go. Uh, roll, all right. Yeah. So the prodder. I think the prodder needs a five up. Okay. Let's see if we can get it off. All right. Uh, Those are ten. ten. I don't dispel. Oh, okay. Right. Is Gosnick so, level four? No, 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 he's not a wizard. It's, it's a bound item. It's a bounce yeah, right, right. So this is going to do D3. Ooh, two. two. Strength six. No armor saves. All right. All right. Okay. We got uh, two. Two wounds. Two wounds. No Which armor saves? No armor no. saves. All right. God, um, he's got three wounds, though, right? I have three wounds. I got my four upward saves, so let's take that. Come on, Belagar. All right, he saved one, so All he's right. down a wound. He's down to two wounds. All right, that's it for my turn. I, I don't have any shooting on this, bro, so go ahead. All right, well, how, how far away am I? Can uh, we measure this up? Yeah. I'll go get a tape measure. Let's measure this up. I, I don't know. Belagar can't take much more of this. I know, man. I'm going to get in there and kick some ass. I'm going to just take the long charge All if right. I got it. All right, you, so you made his... 
Well, what do you got? What have I got? Ooh, 16. 16. You can't make it. I can't make it. All right, just move me uh, six inches All right, directly. So you're you're ten inches him. away now. All right, there you go. All right. And I'm going to just spit at you from long range. Okay, do you, does Beligar have any ranged attacks? The spit. Beligar's oh, spit oh, in the eye. Spite? <laughs> He's going to spite at me? Re Revenge incarnate. Okay, yeah. well then uh, I'm going to go ahead and take another turn. What's his move? Again, I'm not going to move. move. I'm going to assume Dude, there's a wall behind not me. Just, yeah, you just move backwards? <laughs> I could never catch We're you. using the whole table. <laughs> I'm all Clark calling all over the what's laptop. Move? All right, three, let's see what kind ball. of magic we get. Oh, oh we got four okay. dice. Four. And you have three. I'm rolling all four. All right. I'm rolling all four. All right. We're going to dispel okay, this. What have uh, you got? We got a... Uh, 14. Yeah. Whatever he said. 14. <laughs> 14. Right, three dice plus two. Oh, I think oh, I got I it. got 14. Oh, yeah. No prodding 14. for you. No prodding this phase. And now, my turn. I think yeah. we're in charge range now, right? Okay, so you're 10, 10 inches away. Yeah. You got to roll a seven. So I got to get a seven average chance. All Let's right. do it. Oh, man. Let's do it. Oh, man. Come on, Belagot. You got nothing. I can't stand. Oh, no. Oh, oh, I got 11. I rolled an 11. Right. Getting All right. 14 inch. Belagar's, we're in combat. Belagor's pissed. Oh, this is going to hurt going in. All right. <laughs> so... <laughs> Straight to the combat phase. Right. I'm initiative four, but I have ASF. Yeah. So I'm up first, and I'm just going to pop my Revenge Incarnate special rule straight are. away. Yeah. Double my Double attacks, attacks in this turn, so that's going to give me eight, eight big ones. <laughs> <laughs> Weapon skill, eight against. Come on, Scar Snake. Six you got this, right. bro. Don't right. let me down, no, bro. What is he, five? I think Scar Snake's five. Yeah, I'm hitting on threes, on threes. but I'm not getting my reroll. Yeah, Tom's got the book over there. He, yeah. should, he should be able to handle this. All right. That's Whoa. Pretty That's pretty good. That will be seven hits. Ah. Ouch. <coughs> All right. Ah. Reroll, schmeroll. And I'm going to be wounding on threes because it's strength four against toughness four, but Beligar has plus one to yeah, wound. Yeah, come on. Magic hammer. I need a bunch of ones the and twos The hammer here. of Angrund. All right. A bunch of ones and twos. On threes. I'm out. I'm out. Oh, oh no. Oh, okay, okay. Boy, that's that. Five. Five. I'm down to one wound. You're down to one wound. No armor save? Uh, not against strength four. He's only got a six up He's there, got right? light armor. Skarsnik, yeah. yeah. Oh, no. no. All right. Punch him back. Come what on. What can right. you do, Skarsnik? Okay, Ricky. here's Skarsnik's attacks. See if he can do anything to you. That's pretty oh, good. Oh, that's three, three hits. hits. Three. Okay, we'll take three. Strength four. Against is he strength two, five. Yeah, he's... Five, five, oh, two. Five. Two. Fives and sixes. All right. So, it doesn't say what, um, what armor Belagar has here, but I'm assuming he has Gromril armor, which is the best... Dwarf can take in a shield, so mm. three up armor. Sure. Yeah. Uh, which will go no, down to, he, to a He has up. magic armor. Well, he has a magic shield. A magic shield that gives him a four up save. Yeah, but that's Doesn't just save a shield. He has he regular could... army of any sort. Yeah. All right, we'll give him a three up armor save. That seems, three seems reasonable. Yeah. Right. Sure, sure. All right, so that goes to a four, four up. up. Okay. I okay. failed one, and now right, I got a on, four up dwarf save as well. Come on, come on, come on. No! Oh, okay. He got the four up. Okay. Now here's Goblet. Okay, oh, yeah, coming. Right. Come on, Goblet. Don't let me down, bro. Oh, oh, he whiffs. Only got one hit. All right. Well, come on, Goblet. Strength? Strength six. Uh, six with okay. Goblet? Yeah. On a three. Oh, oh one to win. One. All right. Pathetic. Next All right. round. All right. I'm back, but I only got four attacks four this attacks. time. So okay. let's do it. On threes. Oh, just uh, the two. Two, two hit. Mm -hmm. And on threes. Now oh, Skarsnik's out. Uh, Skarsnik is, is done. 
And uh, Belagar reclaims his ancestral my, homeland. There's my dollar. <laughs> I would give you a dollar, but you didn't pay me for pizza. So. <laughs> well, there you there you have it. There you have it. Okay, Belagar kicks Garsnick's butt. All right, let's go get that demon prince. <laughs> <laughs> Next week. Well, was there ever yeah. any doubt that Belagar would do it? Not really. Not no. really. Belagar costs more points, plus most of Skarsnik's points go on his yeah. cool abilities. How, how many points is Belagar? He's 305. 305. Wait, hold on. When are we doing yeah. this? Are we doing it naked? Or are we doing this with upgrades? Uh, this is a... Uh, well, 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 if we, we want to just test... Out. If we want to test somebody against the best character of all, just put him against the, 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 the demon, demon prince, prince with everything, yeah. No, I mean, the with point... All the extras. The point was not to do that. It was more to to get these guys, their their mortal enemies, right, mm-hmm. battling over Karakate peaks. Right. And and it also helps that Skarsnik is uh, Ricky's general. So oh yeah, yeah, just had to show up, give him a bit of the fear. <laughs> thanks, guys. Thanks. thanks. Uh, as if I, as if I didn't know he was squishy already. <laughs> uh, well, so that's us kicking off the uh, third episode of Dimensional Cascade. Woo! Yeah, coming from the dungeon and. Shoreline, Washington. Uh, with me in the room, I'm Aiden. With me in the room, I have Ricky, Tom, Zeus, <laughs> Skarsnik. <laughs> no, I'm Taylor. Uh, okay, uh, so today's episode. Uh, well, we just had our, our introductory uh, uh, death match, uh, for want of a better word. Uh, we're gonna. Talk about a few tournaments. Uh, in the tournament zone, we've got uh, Ricky's trip to Las Vegas Open. We've got the second scenario for Sparkle Party Deathmatch 3. And uh, we're going to talk about a couple of lists that we're taking to Godicon, uh, which is at the end of the month. Uh, in, our, in our Hobby Horse section, we'll be talking about display boards. And uh, for the Art of War, we will be talking about command groups, musicians, champions, and standards. Uh, but we will get kicked off with some news and rumors. News and rumors! We're two issues into the new White Dwarf, the weekly White Dwarf, and uh, one issue into the first of the monthly Warhammer Visions. So first impressions, we've got a a couple of uh, copies of each uh, in front of us. Uh, What do you guys think? Well, I've enjoyed these first two issues. Um, it could be mainly because the content is really uh, fantasy-centric these two months because of all the dwarf releases, and they've been talking a lot about dwarf, so that's gone over uh, pretty well with me. I can't imagine how much I'll enjoy it when all of that's about 40k instead. Um, what yeah. about you, Ricky? Well, I've only seen the first one um, with anything but a passing glance. The The second one I only grabbed a second ago upstairs uh, i was at las vegas this weekend and didn't get to pick it up so um yeah i love to see it though the cover looks great <laughs> um I'm, i am excited to see uh what the you know I, I saw that there were some other contributors in there we had what phil kelly and some of those other guys that haven't wrote an article in a while it'd be good to see what they have to say see if it's um you know anything of of substance uh there's also wasn't there a um v talk in there too yeah so he does an article in the most recent one kind of just talking about mm-hmm. um kind of his ideas behind designing the new dwarf book okay. and right. kind of yeah, a, I, some background stuff and well 
I know I know a lot of people don't like him, but I'm I'm a big V Talk fan. I like him. I so. like him too. He I, writes and his his articles always make me laugh. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm all for it. Yeah, and there's a there's a pretty nifty uh, Jervis Johnson article about uh, how you can use scouts to determine the uh, the first turn of the game instead of just doing a dice off. He's got this little mm, five right. five to ten minute mini game. Uh, that seems you know really interesting to me. I really want to try it out. Yeah, I kind of want to try it too. It's um, you just play it on a little bit of paper, kind of grid it out. You have five models each, and you just roll dice and try and get them into your opponent's half of the paper. And it's just supposed to represent a little bit of skirmishing between scouts from both armies. Yeah. Um, trying to gain the initiative to to kick off the battle. So yeah, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, a little, little bit more interesting than just. Well, me always auto losing because I have <laughs> so many deploys. That... <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, cool. So, Warhammer Visions. Has anybody seen it? Well, yeah, I, I got the first one. Um, it's it's thick. It's beefy. <laughs> um, and there's really like there's not a lot to read in there. Like, right. in fact, I had a problem differentiating between sections. Um, like they they did a lot of the golden demon entries from Memphis and I didn't even realize I was in them. I was like, wait, I recognize these models. And then, and then I was in another section. I was like, I don't recognize these models. And you know, there's there's not a lot of verbiage in there. And I, that that's maybe that's the intent. But, Basically, uh, just a big art gallery. Yeah, it is. It is. And what are, what are the different sections even supposed to be? The, you know, you I, I couldn't, couldn't really couldn't really work it out. You know, to be honest with you, and a lot of the captioning was nothing more than who painted the model, um, hmm. and um, you know, Gross. I think that's probably you know a product of just how much is in there. They they probably don't have the bandwidth to really right. Yeah. yeah. So so realistically, how is this magazine going to do? Like, who who's going to buy this, and well, how, how it, long are they going to keep buying it for? Here's the thing. It. If it was chock full of pictures of Chaos Dwarfs, would you buy it, Tom? Um, for $12 a month, I probably honestly wouldn't. I can would see. You, would all... you buy the Chaos Dwarf issue? I might buy the Chaos Dwarf issue. I would probably buy the Wood Elf issue. Right. So if there's, if maybe, yeah. you know, one thirtieth of all hobbyists are going to buy each issue, is that, nah, yeah. is that good I, enough? I don't see. I... Is that more than worth buying yeah. a last white dwarf? That's true. <laughs> <clears throat> One thing I love the new weekly white dwarf. I think that I like the new format. I like. I, I don't mind that it's smaller. I don't mind that they cut out all the crap and they're. Yeah, trying, I actually think there's more content. I feel, I feel like I think there's a lot of content yeah, too. I feel like they're really trying to make it something good. Um, the thing I don't like is you can't subscribe to it. Not yeah. yet. Not uh, yet. Yeah, they, I, I, they need to fix that because that's, they do. Um, <clears throat> this last weekend I was out of town and I have been busy every night this week and now they're closing the Factoria store. Yeah. Where am I supposed to go to get this? Am I going to have to do a, a you know direct order off the website and then pay shipping on top of a $4 mag yeah. every week? That doesn't seem that doesn't seem like something I'm I'm not gonna do that. Well, so. they do have it digitally, right? Or is mm-hmm. it not? Is it digital yet? The white dwarf? N- I no, think, I don't think. So. I, do? I don't know. I we can mm-hmm. check right now. Actually, I have my iPad. But, <laughs> yeah. um, I, Be- because if it's digital, you know, then then at least they have a uh, like a workaround for um, for people who who struggle to get to a hobby store. It's true. They are gonna do much better with it if they can just deliver it each week to. Yeah, to subscribers I mean, thing. 
I, uh, yeah, I, uh, as it stands right now, I would consider a subscription just based on that. That was, I mean, obviously it's a fantasy heavy month yeah. and they're rolling off of ty Tyranids, but, uh, you know, the, but just the different sections they have and stuff. It seems like it's yeah. going to be pretty nice and a um, bit, bit more interesting. Yeah. yeah. So every few weeks they'll put a battle report in as well. I guess like next week there's going to be a dwarf battle report. Okay. Okay. So um, visions is what you get if you go back into the white dwarf. So you don't actually right now have the option of getting it digitally that I can find. Okay. Um, All right. So that's that's huh. yeah. So so kind so, of a wait and see. Yeah, and um, you know, maybe if somebody like Card Kingdom starts to carry it, then maybe it won't be it won't be as much of an issue for me. But uh, I I would love to get this every week. I yeah. would, but and I would love for it to be there at the when I come home from work. You know, just not have to worry about it. Sit, put um, your feet up. Yeah, you know, and get your would, would you spend a lot of time worrying about pipe. it? Yeah, <laughs> but you know, whenever as it stands now, I'm going to have to drive half an hour to the store to get it. And then, yeah. you know, and if there's traffic... Can you only get it in GW stores or can you get it in any kind of hobby store? They said they were going to offer it through other retailers, but mm. um, nobody I've ever well, been to yeah, has Yeah, funny, it yet. as a kind of aside, I yeah. was in the airport last week and I thought, like, on the off chance, maybe I'll just check the, mm -hmm. the magazine store and see if there's a white dwarf in there on the off chance. And actually that experience kind of drove home how niche our hobby is. Because yeah. I was in there looking at all the magazines. Yeah. And some of the things you can buy magazines about seem so obscure to me. Yeah. I thought it was weird that they wouldn't have a magazine about this hobby as well. Like, you yeah. can get a magazine about catching a particular type of fish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's yeah. many different magazines about catching different types of fish, but no magazine about yeah, there's a, about there's our a, hobby. <laughs> there's a Southern Guns and Gardens. You know, like, <laughs> right. they, 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 how can you nice. not have White Dwarf, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm a, I, that's my only uh, complaint about it so far, other, other than the making it actually accessible for everybody. Because what if you live in Podunk yeah. and uh, you really do want this? Um, yeah, and, and one thing I do like about it is, uh, you know, it's it's four bucks, um, which, you know, is the same price as a comic book or a coffee, you know, uh, you don't need to think about the the cost so much, you know, whereas when it was $10 and there wasn't a lot of content mm -hmm. in it, you, you were less likely to, to impulse buy it. Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing I like about it is that, um, you know, there might not be something for you in the magazine this week, so just don't buy it, right? Sure, exactly. And, mm -hmm. uh, maybe the next week, yep, there's something there for an army or a game that you play, get it. You know. And I think they haven't started including some more like genuinely useful stuff. Like they'll do a little kind of um, summary of the rules of some new model, some new army that's coming out. Um, whereas in the old White Dwarf, they seemed very guarded about saying anything about the rules at all. Yeah. Like even in battle reports, they would, you know, mention some effect and not really describe what the rule was yeah. that was making that yeah. come into effect. Which was lame. Yeah, which was lame, and it was because they wanted, you know, people to buy the rules in the army book, but now they're doing, you know, some nice little summaries, so if you're not going to buy the dwarf book this month, most of the new units, you can actually see the stats and the rules just in White Dwarf. Yeah. So it, it might Seems be like too nice early to ask this question, but would you guys pay $200 for an annual subscription of that? Two hundred is that how much it would be? It would be about. It would be well, a little over two hundred. It'd be two hundred if you paid full price. Don't they usually give you a mm -hmm. decent discount if you're a subscriber? It's never. It's usually just a few mm -hmm. issues off. So, 
you know, what? how many weeks? There's 54 weeks. Uh, how, mu- a, how much yeah. was the, how much, how much was the white dwarf subscription? Wasn't it like $70 or something? Yeah. For? 52 weeks. I don't know. It's 52 uh, weeks. I'm but, tired. I can't say but, yeah. but if the, if the monthly was $70 for 12 issues and it was $10 a month, yes. mm. that's a significant discount. It may be like 150 from yeah. a year to the weekly one. Uh, uh, I'd reserve judgment for I want to see a few more issues yeah, first. Yeah. I want to see what it's like when you go through a 40k release month. Yeah, and see right. if there's really anything useful yeah, you for you at all. Yeah, but yeah. the content that they have on the dwarves and so forth, I uh, uh, you know, I'm not a big dwarf fan, but I'd still read it all. Yeah, so. I read it all. Some of it, you know, some of that. You're a fanboy. I am a big dwarf <laughs> fanboy. <laughs> But some of the some of the stuff's kind of funny, like some of the um, white dwarf guys talking about tactics and stuff, and it's, you know, characteristically lame tactics. Lame tactically, <laughs> you know, they're like, "What's the best way to use ba- Belagar?" And there's one guy who's basically just like, "I would use him to hit things with his hammer." <laughs> and the other guy's like, "I would use him to hit other things with his hammer." <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of just predictable white dwarf guy tactics, but. What is it with that? I mean, do they not know how to play the game? They're terrible at the game. You think? I mean, you think with the access to the players that they have, that they would they would bring in some of the really good players and get them to do the battle reports. Or when cool. they do battle yeah. reports, they they're often trying to um, emphasize just the the fun in it rather yeah, than yeah. super. I think they want to keep it from feeling like overly elitist. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I, I guess that's true. But they could, like, one, you know, thing they could have in the new edition is a little, like, masterclass section or something where they get somebody who really knows what they're talking about. Yeah. Talking about some aspect of tactics, like we do, you know? (laughs) They could get us in. Because we know what we're talking about. We know exactly what we're talking about. (laughs) All right. Uh, so one other thing I wanted to talk about in the uh, in this section was there's a pretty neat little Kickstarter uh, that's going on right now. Um, it's called the uh, Drake Two Horizons by Action Games Miniatures. Um, now I think they've already met their goal. Yeah, they've exceeded it by quite a bit, and it's for their own game. Um, but I'll, I'll I'll show you guys. Uh, maybe some of you haven't seen the pictures here. This is kind of like a fantasy game that has got a lot of dragon-themed miniatures. So, um, the the not just dragons, but like troops that have a dragonish look to them. There's a lot of kind of Egyptian and and mm. uh, kind of Eastern fantasy kind of stuff. I think some of the models would be pretty cool um, as an as an alternate to uh, uh, some of the existing armies. I yeah, just thought they look cool. Yeah, I thought they they have their own neat little look. Um, and I'm always on the uh, the lookout for interesting alternative models. So, mm-hmm. um, does does the game sound interesting enough to play, or are you really just looking at as a kind of alternative? You know, I'm such a miniatures. snob. As soon as I see round bases, I kind of my eyes <laughs> glaze over. Off. Yeah, uh, it's like skirmish how game. Do, how the hell do I rank those guys up? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, so I, I actually don't know because I didn't read it. All mm-hmm. I did was look at the pretties and then and then say, hey, we should talk about this. Yeah.
The Tournament Zone. Okay, so uh, <laughs> last week we talked a little bit about the first scenario for Sparkle Party Deathmatch 3. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> this week, I'm going to start again. Oh, my God. No, we don't. No, we don't. So this week we're going to talk oh about guys. the second scenario. Um, fine, fine. and uh, You keep rolling. <laughs> I'm going to torture Taylor. <laughs> So, uh, so as you recall, the I'm trying to loosely link all these scenarios together, mm -hmm. and each player in Sparkle Party Deathmatch Three is going to have their own free giant. Woo! That has some modified rules. One of the rules is a three of board save, and then immunity to killing blow, multiple wounds, and immunity to multiple wounds. Some other cool stuff. But all right, so the second scenario. Uh, the Sparkle Stone must get through. With your Sparkle Stone secured and the enemy scouts of a much larger army hounding your rear guard, you are desperate to get over the mountains. Back into your friendly territory. Oh, that, that was really rough reading there. Sorry, guys. There is just one problem. While you were greedily gathering as much of the precious sparkly goodness your giant could carry, your enemies deployed another force to stop your retreat through the only mountain pass. You cannot delay, or soon you will be surrounded. Your army, no, the Sparkle Stone must get through. Bum, bum, bum. All right, so... I'm uh, confused. Basically, uh, the first scenario, you're trying to gather as much uh, Sparkle Stone as you can with your giant, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, you had to go over into enemy territory to get it. Mm -hmm. Now you're trying to get back to your territory with your Sparkle Stone. Your giant's carrying it. And you have to go over a mountain pass. But how so. are both armies running away from bigger armies in their rear? You just you you just gotta disbelieve. <laughs> I just gotta cut you it's, off it's, and say that it can't be true. Yes. <laughs> before you you're even running tell me. away from the first army that you fought and through the second army in the second scenario. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There oh, you geez. go. See? Don't use logic. <laughs> and it'll make sense. <laughs> it makes sense if you don't think no, about it. What you have when to you do abandon is, all sense. You, you just have to be 100% egocentric, and then it makes total sense. Oh, it's mm, like, there's total. nobody else that exists in the world apart from me. It's all about me. me. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so uh, this is pretty much a straight-up modified, slightly modified battle for this the past. Straight-up modified? Straight-up modified. Okay. <laughs> um, so it's going to be, you're playing lengthwise, just like Battle for the Pass, um, impassable board edges, just like Battle for the Pass. Um, the, the thing that gets you the bonus points, um, so you, it's going to be another 20 mil, 20 nil game, but then you can earn up to five bonus points, um, by moving your giant every 12 inches down the table. Mm. So if you were to measure a straight, you know, a line, put it at 12 inches, do a line right at 24 inches, 36, 48, etc. Um, so first down. Yeah. yeah. Basically, you're you're trying to yeah you're trying to giant get, football. Um, your giant <laughs> has to start the game in your deployment zone with the back of its base flat against that table edge, the okay. short table edge. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then you earn one point for every full 12 inches you've gone at the end of the game. If your giant's still alive, your giant must be alive at the end of the game for you to get those points. So you, you don't get any if the giant dies. You don't get any bonus points if the giant dies. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I I, I decided that that's the way I wanted to go. I want people blood sporting on this one. 
So, so you got to keep the giant alive. You got to keep the giant alive, Ugh. make a hole for it to get through, and then run it down the backside. That's horrible. <laughs> yeah, it's great, isn't it? Yeah. Hmm. No. <laughs> Actually, it sounds like a lot of fun. Or so, just forget about it and kill your opponent as well, best you can. The, I actually think the best way to, to get your giant down the table is to get it into combat in a combat that's winning. And then overrun. And overrun. then overrun. Yeah. For sure. Because that's going to sure. slingshot you. That could slingshot you 20 But you don't want him heading turn. off on his own, though. Right. You don't want, right. you know. You so now you've just changed exactly what you were going to bring in your army because now you've got to do Battle for the Pass. That's quite... It's quite. I mean, it's a very different kind of scenario. Yeah, it is for sure. Yeah, and it's more than battle for the past. It's kind of like protect the VIP. Mm-hmm. Kinda, but yeah, I still yeah. think just crazy monster mesh would be the way to you go. Think so? Just this big mob of monsters smashing their way down one flank. <laughs> stampede. <laughs> just a stampede of Bunch monsters of down Right. Playing it, running interference. <laughs> yeah, yeah. that'd be sweet. <laughs> I got the Kadai Destroyer on interference. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. What do you guys think? Oh, I think it's awesome. I, mean, I love yeah, it. I like it. I already knew it. But <laughs> but I would just go for a, a couple of big stubborn blocks in the center and on one flank. Try and just pin the, my opponent's army on those and just smash a couple of really fast fighty units with the giant down the yeah. other flank. I need yeah. to watch a bunch of football games and yeah. Just, yeah get you get, in the right mindset draw some x's and o's and quarterback watch, watch 300 oh there we go yeah. <laughs> I don't think I, I don't ultimate think battle for the past then we shall fight in the shade I don't yeah. think I'm allowed to bring any wells to kick this people down though this is sparkle party <laughs> uh the only other thing of note is the giant's gonna have magical attacks again cause he's carrying he's the, sparkle the sparkle stone, stone. Mm. so he'll he'll have magical attacks for this one um which may or may not actually help him, but uh, yeah, I, I think I'm I'm excited to see if somebody can get the max five points. I don't think this it's, is one of those scenarios that I I don't see a lot of people getting the full bonus are, points. Are on. we gonna have like something like we did last time where you get templates? Can it be the person who goes the farthest? There there might I might do a, if somebody can get all the way to the other table edge, they'll Touchdown. probably be a, yeah, there'll be a. <laughs> There'll be a template for a that probably. template. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's really... Good. You have to essentially yeah. move your full movement in five out of the six turns, right? To get yeah, to yeah. the other Or edge. you're going to have to slingshot by slingshot overrunning. Slingshot for overrunning, yeah. 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 But as soon as you waste one turn in a combat that you can't win in a turn, yeah. then you... Yeah, you're going to have to move because you, you start at the back of the deployment zone. Right, not at the front. so you have 60 you have inches six, total. Six, no, it's 72 inches. 72 inches yeah. total. Just a move, yeah. random, random question, but does the uh, the giant count as a character? Uh, yeah. no. no. No, it's just a monster. Are you yeah. sure? No. <laughs> <laughs> Smoke and mirrors. <laughs> you if you had to fly in The problem is, is you'd still have to fly another monster to the other end of the table for that to work. Yeah, I'm aware. Okay. <laughs> or right. take a portal glyph. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or who, who could do what? that? What a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the, the lore of... Oh, no. Steed of Shadows only works on characters, right? Yeah. The lore yeah. of Shadow. Yeah. Yep. Damn. That was my question. <laughs> so, so scenario one, you guys have to get your giant across, you know, just two feet, grab something, and come back, or play defensively for a couple extra points. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You... Or both. Or both. Your giant okay. doesn't have to be alive at the end of the first one, does he? No, but he he, he can, has to get the sparkle stone back to yeah, get the full points. He can die in your zone, but uh-huh. um, he and and then somehow you resurrect him for the second game. You know, whatever. Let's so. get a new giant, dude. Yeah. That sparkle stone. Let's I don't know what's in it, but yeah, he just yeah. like we- wheaties, <laughs> wheaties. Yeah, definitely wheaties. 
Um, so, it's a giant breakfast. Yeah. I, I actually think the first one's a little harder to explain. This one's pretty simple. So. Interesting. It is pretty simple. I, I think it's harder to win. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. In a battle for the pass is a is a really interesting scenario that a lot of people don't like because it's... Because dwarfs just win every time. <laughs> well, well, it'd be interesting to see if dwarfs still just win once their new book comes probably, out. Mm-hmm. But I would expect they probably still would. I, have, I expect they still win, <clears> but, but not but, in this modified version. And they'd also... I think suck a little in the um, in the first scenario because I got to get those stones. Yeah, they have to the get the giant over would have to just go off on its own essentially. Yeah, yeah unsupported. Yeah. Them. Yeah. Although so, now you can have just a squadron of gyrocopters with them. That would be pretty sweet. I would love to see that. You can have six of them in an army now, apparently. So. Yeah, that, that's going to be so cool if we see somebody do that. Six gyrocopters. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the most mobile dwarf army you've ever seen. Yep. 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 All right, cool. Well, I'm excited about that scenario. So you'll give us the third scenario uh, on episode four? Yep, yep. I like it. This tournament yep. seems like it's going to be much less just about min-maxing an army list. Yeah, um, this uh, doing three different scenarios does force people to think a little bit more about their lists because, yeah, you know, the Blood and Glory one, I think, was good. You know, the first Sparkle Party one, you know, was all just kind of Blood and Glory. Mm-hmm. I think that one kind of forced some kind of comp on people um you know i'm not a big fan of comp anyways but i I feel like blood and glory is kind of an okay kind of comp and then the second one the tower i think people were able to build armies just for a tower scenario but this one there's going to be three distinctly different things that people are going to have to try i like it so far Uh, i'm excited it's not like oh i only have four units that can actually enter the freaking tower (laughs) 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 yeah yeah all right, cool. So um, one of the things that I like about the Sparkle Party is that it's uh, it's all closed lists. So I think that's that's really nice for Wood Elves, especially because they have quite a lot of shenanigans up their sleeves compared to other armies. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we're going to a con um, at the end of the month, a Godacon up in, in Victoria. Uh, and this is an open list tournament. So this is kind of a new experience for me. Um, I've never had to uh, submit my list ahead of time before or or even been able to look at my opponent's list ahead of time. It's always been guesswork, and now mm. all the guesswork is gone. So you know exactly where the 2-plus ward save against fire is. Or Interesting. Do you think that's going to help you? Hmm. Well, this is the thing. I'm not sure. I mean, it certainly makes it easier to to avoid – like if some, if I know someone has flaming attacks, for example, um, I you can avoid charging them with yeah, a tree sure. man yeah. or – you know, uh, anything like that. Um, so you could just print out all of the army lists first and then, you know, you're playing this guy, you just find Well, your opponent has to give you the list at the start oh, of the game. Start the game, so yeah. you're going to know just... You're right always going to know exactly what's yeah. on the table. Yeah. And, and with a Interesting. lot of... Deploy- I like that. With a lot of deployment drops, um, you know, it, it means I can kind of deploy based on where he deploys to avoid the things I want to avoid and, and get the matchups that I want to get and that sort of thing. Uh, I don't know because he's obviously whoever my opponent is is going to have the same mm-hmm. uh, you know thought processes so yeah. it's interesting I, I've I've never been a fan of open lists I especially that's because you play Scarce well it's because I play Night Goblins or Skaven you know uh, part Tr- of Trixie what, armies yeah the ones that you know hey an assassin is an important part of that army and if you start out knowing that there's two assassins. And that they're probably going to be in that general's unit, um, 
that takes a lot of the oomph out of the army because mm -hmm. you know that that head game is what forces people to avoid your units and now they just know that oh he doesn't have any assassins in the in the list i can just charge Right. I think it's kind of like Fluffwise bad too, because in an actual fighting scenario, you, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. There's yeah. no way. Yeah, and I think it, it's a it's a product of people trying to take a game that is intended to be kind of casual and fun, and trying to turn it into <laughs> a tournament game. And um, I'm all for tournaments. I I love them. And clearly, yeah. But <laughs> I I just I feel like people take them too seriously. So uh, I I. And I, I hate having to reveal that my units have um, fanatics. Mm -hmm. I always ask my opponents, have they ever played against Night Goblins before? If they haven't, I explain everything in my army. I tell them, you know, hey, the Manglers, this is what they do. Um, hey, not not you. No, no, you yeah. did this against me. I did. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> fanatics, I try and explain that to them too. And I'll also tell them, hey, you might not want to do that, you know, if they're a first-time player against Night Goblins. Hey, you might not want to do that because You never fanatics. told me, you never told me that you I might do. not want to charge the Squid Gobbler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You deserve that. I should have that. done my research. <laughs> you deserve that. But, you um, might not want to do that. You might not. Well, I was, I was out of the room when you did that, I think. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. I I think you were a couple of beers in as well. Yeah. <laughs> I was pretty gung ho. You, you were feeling pretty ballsy. You would have done it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Um, but uh, I and because of that, I'm I, like I'm not trying to power game people with these tricks. I don't feel like I should also have to reveal them to the players who already know that that's mm -hmm. put potentially mm -hmm. there. Um, and it takes away like a key element of it, I think. I know. Well, and and like revealing that oh, this character has the ruby ring. Like, are you going to look across the battlefield and see somebody's ring and go, <laughs> hey, "I think that ring can shoot a fireball at me." <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's kind of ridiculous fluff wise, and and I just think it's people taking the game too seriously. I, I'm all for people submitting lists to tournament organizers mm -hmm. who want to review the list to make sure that they're legal, um, but then they should shred them you know just no people shouldn't get to see that it should be part of the fun yep yeah. okay so the they have five different scenarios up there uh i'm going to run through them uh really quickly just uh, uh i know you've already submitted your list mm -hmm. uh, i haven't submitted mine i'm going to submit it uh tomorrow or maybe tonight um, tomorrow you can you don't get your two points it has to be tonight or tomorrow yeah. to mm -hmm. get the two points yeah um so uh, I'm pretty sure it's going to be. Two points. Yeah. <laughs> Precious points. Yeah, you know me. I'm not that good a player, so I need all the points I can get. Yeah, that's. I was. I was. Fighting oh. to get uh, you're the third best I know. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Taylor. Thanks. <laughs> so the first uh, first scenario is uh, meeting engagement treasure hunt. So it's a meeting engagement scenario, but if you uh, destroy any unit. Or character with uh, magic items they get left behind um, it's not the item itself it's just a loot counter with the points value of whatever the magic items are and then you can go claim those those points as mm. additional points uh, they're worth actually two times their points in determining victory Ooh. question yeah. um, for things like well for like my army yeah. I don't actually take magic items so would it be the if you gift, had a, would it be the gift amount or would it be the magic item that I sub for it it would have to be the yeah if you if you were like a, had a magic sword or whatever that you had out of those gifts then that would count but I wouldn't imagine that the uh, 
the health you know, forge artifact bonus or, or anything or like the, that well the plus three attacks gift for example it's not yeah, like no. you can leave that around on the ground oh, but man, like wouldn't that be awesome if you could yeah. <laughs> always picked up plus three attacks but ding <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, I, hmm. yeah. yeah. It seems like one that's going to be actually hard to score. So yeah, that uh, 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 it, it might be a little tricky at the end. Yeah, um, yeah I, my characters also have spites, for example, um, which are little fairies that help them in in combat. I'm like, that's what they are. They're woodland fairies. Uh, <laughs> you laugh now. <laughs> I'll laugh later too. When you feel the wrath, the wrath of the fairies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Second one is a um, battle line with a courier special rule where you, you pick one character or champion to be the courier. And if that model um, moves off the opposite board edge, uh, you get some extra victory points. Oh, nice. 300 hmm. bonus victory points. Does your, opponent, does your opponent know who the courier is? Or well, they, they do. Guess? And, and hmm. this is the other thing about having the open list. Uh, they not only know who the courier is, but they know all the equipment that they've got. Right. So it's like, okay, well, I've got my guy with a two-up ward against flaming so that he doesn't get shot off by skull cannon. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, you know, they're going to know that he's that, and then they're going to try and have to get him with something else. I, I don't mm -hmm. know. Um, Little elven longbows. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then scenario three is watchtower, where instead of uh, you get auto victory, it gives you an extra 300 victory points. Uh, and then a Slay the Witch battle line, which is uh, <clears throat> an extra 100 victory points for every wizard mm -hmm. you slay. And the last one is an extra 300 victory points if you slay the general rather than 100. So so I think that there's not too much in there that would really change my list composition. No, you just need think. one. Well, you have one anyway, but you just need some really fast character. To be the courier. To be the courier. Once they go off, they don't come back. Um, oh, which, so fast oh, and cheap character. Fast and cheap. It's 180 points. I think that's not terrible. Uh, I might take just a, a like a, a <clears throat> some kind of fast cav instead, but I'm not sure. I haven't thought about that. Yeah, probably. just uh, one really cheap guy riding a warhawk and just vanguard, then fly right off and be uh, done with it. Alternatively, you just have your mass massive Death Star, like giant ogre Death Star. It just plows through everything, and you pop the character off at the end of the game. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> Yeah, take your Except, ogre death star. Yeah, take my <laughs> ogre death star and my wood elf army. Oh, man, if only I could take a tree man death star. Yeah, the, oh, I think yeah. my only option for that one is my um oh, my war boss no. on the oh, cave squig. Yeah. Hop him all the way across and try and hop him off. <laughs> <laughs> courier with random movement, not the best nice. courier. Hey, it's re-rollable, so oh. that, that might that might work. You know, if I was, it depends on what army I was up against. But I could give the uh, could give the special message to the tree man ancient. I'm like, yeah, just run yeah. him off the end of the battlefield. You could, uh, you could also do the flying carpet on somebody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah or just do the... Well, that's the thing. A great <clears> eagle <throat> is a flying carpet with two attacks. Yeah. <laughs> and that gives you an extra wound. An extra wound and an extra point of toughness. And yeah. a stomp. Yeah, yeah. And same same points. All right. Beautiful. So that's God of Con. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be 50 players. That's uh, 50 players. Yeah, it's right. a, a little bigger than this. It's twice the size of the Sparkle Party. So like 20 uh, Warriors of Chaos. I, would, uh, <laughs> I suspect that it will be dominated by Warriors, Dark Elves, Demons, and Skaven. High Elves. Yeah. And so I, I think I'll be the only Wood Elf player there. You usually are. Yeah. Well, yeah. So. <laughs> 
All right, come on, man. Power game a little harder. Uh, (laughs) I'm totally power gaming. I'm taking three tree men. (laughs) Okay. As you should. As I should. Okay. So, Ricky, you were at the uh, Las Vegas Open last weekend. How'd that go? Oh, it was was a good time. Um, Vegas is fun. <laughs> big, su- big surprise there. Really? Um, I hadn't heard that. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> There's just boobs everywhere. It's the best. <laughs> All over the Warhammer tables. Yeah. 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 So um, yeah, they uh, it is. Um, it was the first time they ran it. Uh, it was huge. For uh, 40k, I think there was like you know 150, 240k players. We ended up with, I think they had 50 people slotted, and they ended up with about 26 players in fantasy. Um, there was also War Machine. Uh, there were some others. I think maybe Malifaux or something like that was going on. There was a bunch of bunch of gaming. Mm-hmm. They had a, a bunch of vendors there, which was cool to see. Um, then they, uh, they did three days of gaming. Uh, Friday you could game. Um, they did the slosh hammer. I I tried to go in and see that, but I think it ended at midnight, and we walked in a little like a quarter after midnight, mm-hmm. and the everybody few pe- was already sloshed. Oh yeah, man. there were a <laughs> that few probably people ended there. a lot before midnight. Yeah, there were a few people there just finishing up their game, and they were cross-eyed. And I was I was like, man, they got to get up and play tomorrow. Yeah, too. you want to you want to draw one of those in your first round? Just well, annihilate. Yeah, them it was all forty k players. I never saw any fantasy players playing that. So. So, um, so you weren't allowed to take Scar Snake? Uh, yeah, so they comped out uh, special characters. And what else? Uh, no Forge World. So I couldn't take Scar Snake and I couldn't take the Squid Gabas. Um, I played my Squid Gabas as Doom Divers, which are actually a better choice anyways. And um, I you know, used the points that Scar Snake would have been for kind of a, you know, a defensive general. And through the rest of the points that I would normally put into the Gabas and Skarsnik into just a whole bunch of bosses with great weapons. Um, uh, not really sure that that did much for me, <laughs> but it, what else know. would you have taken? Yeah. What else? I, I didn't really have models to take anything else. And, um, you know, I would have, if I had it, I probably would have just put more points into squigs. Um, so they also did comp, like an actual comp score for armies and hmm. believe it or not, my army, uh, scored the lowest um was that as in the best no as, as in, in the worst, worst. you had the worst comp score yeah and i think i think a lot For of a fluffy it, night goblin army yeah a, a lot of it because the comp was based on duplicates oh, because i had a lot of bosses because i had three um units of squigs mm. i had two manglers two doom divers and you're just like there's not that many different things i, I could yeah, take with night goblins yeah man. so that, that is that's uh, the dumbest nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. So it, I was a little surprised at that. I was like, uh, <laughs> yeah. If you're somebody gonna... there with the like demon oh, prince oh, and yeah, Mergul yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you know, I think the I think the guy who won um, with his dark elves uh, w- was able to do it with you know a high comp score, but you know there it's just one of those armies that you can't even you know control or, or catch the whole game and right and, and so it, it's just making kind of an arbitrary comp score like that felt wrong to me. Other than that, the, uh, well, I guess the other thing I didn't really like about the way they, they ran um, the scoring was uh, you got 75 points for a loss, um, and then there was uh, 120, a 100, a 125, and a 150. 
Uh, 100, I think, was the draw. 125 was a minor win, and 150 was the major win. And But no matter what you lost, you got 75. And uh, it just created pretty huge gaps. Um, you know, like the winners were... Um, they were up in like the 900s and then everybody else is down in 500 hmm. and you're, you're it doesn't really feel like there's any chance you could ever catch up and there's just no spread you know like so i like 20 nil because you can they actually, weren't using the 20 nil it was, no it was yeah three points it was a it was a victory points and then you take you know you use whoever won if you got a major win you got 150 points and you added those that 150 tournament points okay hmm. so it's just kind of this arbitrary number, and there right. was only four numbers you can get, and a lose is always uh -huh. 75. So it doesn't matter how much you lose by either. So yeah. it seems like if you're going to do um, a minor win and a major win, you should have a minor loss and a major loss. Right. Because mm -hmm. um, other, otherwise you're not really yeah, spreading not points here, around. Yeah. Are you better because you got some minor losses? Um, I, I should have had some minor losses, mm. um, and I couldn't, I just got 75 points, right. you know, but and, you did come away with an award. Uh, yeah. So I won best painted, Woo! It, Woo! Yay! Yay! <laughs> which was, it was pretty fun. Uh, there, there were actually some really cool armies there. Uh, we saw, I saw another minion army, which was cool. Um, despicable me minions. Yeah. Despicable me minions. That was fun to see. There was a really, really cool Nurgle <laughs> army. Um, I think that was Ed Phillips was his his army, um, just heavily converted, well painted. Um, he would have had my vote. They didn't actually have us vote on our favorite army, so, huh. so it was entirely judged. It was entirely judged. Yeah, um, the the paint scoring uh, in the pack seemed pretty straightforward. Um, I maxed on it, and a couple other people maxed on it. It was only 150 points though, and when you know. That's oh, only one out win. of yeah, that's only one win out of you know, a game out of the game. So it, it was really low. Like uh, there was a sportsmanship, and I think it was the max you could get was thirteen per game. So you know, sportsmanship, painting, and comp score was you know a tiny little fraction compared to overall battle points. So it was very weighted towards gaming. Um, which was fine because you know I was there to roll dice. So, <laughs> so what what do you think clinched the best painted for you? Was it the the display board? Did other people not have uh, have a great display there, board? There were a couple other display boards. Um, probably nothing uh, to to what I you know to compare to what I've done. Um, some of them were. There was one that was really cool. Some a guy had a all you know chaos army that was converted to be kind of a Roman chariot. Hmm. army with nice. seven chariots and he had huh. a great big mosaic with some roman columns behind it That's i've cool. talked about doing something like that yeah. before and um <clears throat> it, it was it was but it was pretty flat it was just you know like a picture frame mm -hmm. and then yeah. some columns sticking up so um i yeah i think it was both a combo you know the painting the the the, the overall effect the overall yeah. effect pretty yeah. very visually impressive uh, so so okay cool so last thing I wanted to do was just uh, mention that the U.S. Masters is being run at the end of the month. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I think sometime in February anyway. Um, it's in uh, North, North. I want to say North Carolina, um, somewhere very far away from here. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
and uh, I think it's a 50 person tournament and different regions from around the US have sent like their top eight ambassadors or top 10 yeah players over to represent um, we're technically part of the West Coast region, but all of the qualifying tournaments are down in California. So I don't think there's anyone coming from any state other than California, California. that's actually on the West Coast. So um, I've reached out to those guys to see if we can make a Pacific Northwest region and see if we can you know, have somebody go represent for next year. Um, see what happens with that. That'll be interesting to, to find out. Yeah, it'd That'd be, be great. Cool. It'd be great. The Art of War. So this particular Art of War section was a special request by Alex on our on our uh, Dimensional Cascade forum. And he's asking us about command groups. Uh, I, I remember when I first started, pretty much everybody always took full command. And it was just kind of what you did. You didn't really think about it. You had the models. And there they are. There's your champion, your standard, and your, <laughs> Just and your do musician. Because why not? I don't even remember the rules for them back then. Uh, what, when you say back then, you mean back in a different edition, back uh, long oh, ago? Yeah, oh, like, okay. Like second and third edition. Oh, okay. Mm. Um, so, um, and I know that that the change from seventh to eighth edition um, changed a lot of things about the rules uh, for them, or I, that's what I've heard anyway. Mm. Um, now it's definitely more of a kind of min maxi decision. People really consider which one, which yeah. ones they need to take for which units. Yeah. Yeah. So let's just go quickly uh, through each one and and through the rules for each one. So uh, maybe we can start with the standard. That's probably the easiest one to do. Uh, so the standard gives you plus one combat resolution. Mm -hmm. Does it do <clears> anything else? You can no, make it just magic. dies when your unit runs yeah, away. Cool. Auto it, dies. It auto dies. Yeah. You, <laughs> Units it, running away. If your unit breaks, <laughs> your standard bearer is removed. Yeah. Yeah. I've never had that happen. Yes, you don't have a breakable unit. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till you play a real army. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> then you'll want one. Yeah. Or not. Uh, or not. Want one. Want yeah. One, not yeah. want one. Yeah. So anyway. there's that. Although they can also make the standard magical, so then you can yeah. get various other special effects. Uh, but other than that, that that's it, right? Yeah, that's all that the standard does. Okay, so that's that's the easiest one. Um, so why would you take that, and why would you not take that? Well, if it's a combat unit, you're gonna yeah. want to have the every every little bonus you can. An so extra pip of static combat res is always mm -hmm. worth it in any unit that's gonna be in combat. You don't know what the dice are gonna do to be able to take something that gives you a guaranteed bonus in combat yeah. is, so, it, is, is dropping the banner true for the uh the bsp as well no no okay no he does not drop his banner he just dies well he does <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but if he runs away he's not automatically dead like the standard bearer at a unit uh yeah he does he does yeah he just dies if he flees from combat really is what? that in the faq i'm pretty sure uh well, because... we, can, we can edit this out if I'm wrong, but let's yeah. look it up. You, should, you look it up while we continue yeah. to talk. Well, that's worth knowing, because I never thought that he just auto-dies when a unit I runs away. I did not think that Being either. a character. I'm helping. <laughs> anyway, I'm we're helping. talking about standard, questions. regular standard yes, just bearers. Regular, regular standard bearers. So I'd have one on, on any unit that's going to be in combat. I would admit that with 8th edition, most combats are no longer decided by just a few points they're like such bloodbaths these days it's very when you swingy. have extra it's very swingy 
So in 7th edition, it was essential because people would generally win by one or two points. Your rank bonus, your standards really came into it a lot more. In 8th, that doesn't seem to be the case so much, but I would still always take one yeah, in a combat so, unit. So that that's interesting because <clears throat> we should define what a combat unit actually is then, right? Because uh, there are lots of units that can't take standards to start right. off with. Um, and then... Of the ones that can, there are probably some that you generally don't want to take the standard with. And then there are others where you might look at it and think, I would probably not take a standard. But if I took one, it would be this magic standard that would be really good. So um, so I think that the obvious ones uh, you know, are, the, are the, the tough, close combat only big block units, mm -hmm. right? Soros Warriors, for example, right? Um, I would probably want to take standard bearer with like Soros or some or temple guard you know those big uh, anvil type units sure um but then uh you know what what about demons right this is a good good point to look at um yeah the one point of static combat res means that you might lose less demons if, no but you you will yeah you will you're, lose you're less guaranteed demons. to keep a, a demon an extra mm -hmm. demon, yeah. right? So I guess at that point it does pay for itself very quickly. Right, it pays for itself immediately. Like in, in the game that we have behind us, I have in that unit the war banner, the BSB with, with the war banner, yeah. and then just a regular yeah, standard, standard. Just because if I ever lose combat, yeah, which I won't. No, but if I did, <laughs> but if I did, You've I'd, I'd get points. to keep my demons. Yeah, yeah, All that's right. true. So I found it. Unlike normal standards, the battle standard is lost if the bearer is slain. Other models cannot pick it up, even if they are in the same unit. As with other standard bearers, the battle standard bearer is automatically killed if he flees from combat. Whoa. He dies on his feet, defending the precious standard to his last breath. Yep. Wow. So you okay. lose him if you flee. Yep. You lose him if you break from combat. If you, you break, break from combat. From combat. Yep. Yeah. You can flee. If yeah. you if you want to if you choose to and he doesn't drop it then but right yeah. but if you break and flee from yeah. combat I'm pretty sure it's never been an issue because yeah. every time I've fled from combat I've died anyway yeah <laughs> yeah usually yeah. my BSB never runs away anyway yeah well, mine no, mine usually dies when mine somebody doesn't. looks at it cross-eyed <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay he just hands over the battle yeah. standard there you go take <laughs> just take it so so what about I have so, light armor I'm I'm done. <laughs> So those, so the big units, it's it's kind of obvious. What about with smaller units, right? What if uh, you're playing more of an MSU style? Uh, maybe your your units have only got you know two ranks of five, or maybe only three ranks. Do you take the standard there at that point? That's a significant. That could be a significant chunk of the points. No, because uh, you, not only do you pay the cost for the standard, but you also add twenty five victory points on top of that. Yeah. For every standard that you give up. The only reason you would want to do that is if you you might be playing Blood and Glory. Otherwise, I really don't feel like standards are worth going in a unit unless you that unit can survive combat and you know for more than a couple of rounds and is truly dedicated to combat. Yeah. Uh, or unless there's just a magic standard you need to get yeah, some special effect yeah. out of. Like if you're playing MSU Dark Elves, let's say you might yeah. want to put the Flaming Banner on one or, of your Yeah, or into a your unit missile of units. Blade yeah. Guard. You exactly. Know? You know, you'd never want those in combat, but you might want the Flaming Banner on them. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, I never leave home without one. Yeah, so. Okay. But in, in an MSU, you don't, yeah, there's no need to, you know, waste... 60 points putting a banner on each one of your six units of 10 dudes. Yeah, because you're paying, mm -hmm. you know, 
12 points for the trooper, another right. 20 points for the standard, give up another 25 points. And, yeah. So you're really not expecting single ones of those units to last any more than a no. round of combat. Yeah. You want to either pile them all in together and win a combat through flanks and rear charges, yeah. or you're allowing a unit to die one at a time. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so where's the, where's the tipping point? Right. Uh, how many models does it take before you, you uh, auto-include the banner? Uh, totally unit-specific. Yeah, yeah, it is units. But for me, it would be... I know a rule of thumb would be if I want and expect a unit to last more than a round of combat to hang in there yeah. and pass a break test, let's say. Yeah. Which means, which means you're kind of looking it. at a minimum of t sort of 20 models for, for regular infantry somewhere in and around in and around that size before you would start to think about it yeah so yeah. an example i i take often a unit of 18 chaos dwarfs with great weapons yeah. and it's not a unit i expect on its own to be wiping out the enemy's army yeah um but i want to try and whatever that unit's going to fight i want to be tenderized already with war machines and stuff and this unit, I want to be able to hang in there for at least a yeah, round or two. So it gets it standard. Is pretty resilient yeah. Anyways. Yeah. It so gets you, it you standard to make sure it can can hang in there. Yeah. Okay. Give it a better chance. Yep. I sometimes give a standard to uh, fast cavalry, um, because but it's usually for magical purposes. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and I think that's that's the key thing is is if you've got a specific purpose, you can give that standard to pretty much whatever unit mm -hmm. you want to give it to. But you don't. It's certainly by no means an auto include because because not only is it extra points, but uh, as Ricky pointed out, it's points you're giving away. Sure. So what's the minimum number of standards you'd consider leaving home with, given for a completely all comers list that might roll blood and glory? Let's say. Oh, what would be your your minimum you're comfortable with? Uh, so three for three, three units, and then the battle standard. And the battle standard. Four, yeah. mm -hmm. It gives you six fortitude. That's probably the same for me. Yeah. 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 Uh, I'd have I'd have, for a twenty five hundred point, uh, assuming you're talking about so. Yeah. Because uh, then your break point's three, so you, you can lose a couple of units, or you can. Sure. You know, I'd be happy with two regular standards and a battle standard, probably if the two regular ones are just on giant units that yeah, I'm expecting yeah. to hang yeah. in there. Yeah, well, yeah, and Chaos Dwarfs die a lot less easy than, than <laughs> Goblins or <laughs> right. Elves, so... Well, my, you know, I, uh, over the whole Las Vegas Open, I don't think, except for the last game, I don't think I lost one complete unit of Night Goblins of my big buses. They just, they're, they're really hard to shift. They're 300 points, you know, and of course I still lost the games. <laughs> no way. I guess the dwarf gun line. Yeah. Now that I think about it, he killed all, but he killed one unit and only, but two models of one bus were still alive. The last mm. two models on the table, <laughs> but everything else that those, you know, just, it just depends on the, you know, the unit. But yeah, for me, I need 50 models before I'm comfortable taking a standard and Tom can take one on 15. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right though. It's, it's the staying power of the unit rather than the number of models. Right. It? Okay. Just yeah. your expectations of that unit. Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. So let's move on to the musician then. Mm. So a uh, musician is probably the one that gets included the most. Yep. Yeah. Um, um, we'll go through the rules for the musician quickly. Um, I'm going to try and recall them from memory, make sure I don't forget any. Uh, first one is probably the most used one is the ability to swift reform. Mm, yeah. um, so you know, we make a reform maneuver. You can take a leadership test if you've got a musician. Leadership test. 
Oh, failed. No uh, swift reforming for you, Dwarf Boy. So um, he still has to I was to trying reform, to demonstrate that. Right. Yeah. If you pass it, then you get to move after the reform. If you fail, you Good just job. assume that you've taken a regular reform and you yeah. get no move. So yeah. Yeah. you have to remember to take your reform first before you roll the dice because you're locked into to that reform maneuver yeah. then. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the second thing that they do is uh, they provide a rally point for fleeing troops. So if your fleeing unit has a musician in it, you get plus one to your leadership when you're making a rally test. Mm -hmm. um, I think this is one that people uh, tend to look over or forget um, because it's not it's not the first thing you're necessarily thinking about. Right. Um, but hmm. but it can be really useful. It I is think, especially yeah. for um, MSUs. It, is MSU, yeah, yeah, for right. sure. Because you so you is... are intentionally fleeing a lot. And sure. Then, you need that plus one to rally, and if you can get, if you manage to line up your flea right so that you're fleeing into your general's bubble, right? Then you know. Yeah. So it's hard to imagine a unit that you don't take a musician on because for any normal the, unit, yeah. a swift reform is so nice. The only ones I wouldn't and, um, would be fast cav. But Sometimes. fast cav, you want to be fleeing a you lot, and then you want it. Yeah. You really yeah. want to get your reform so you can make. Uh, use of the feign flight. Sorry. You yeah. want to yeah. rally so you can make use of feign flight and then yeah. move again. Yeah, yeah. Th that's true. <clears throat> or, you know, things like skirmishers, you know, you might not need them. But I would say, yeah, a unit I would consider not taking a musician on is a very small unit of skirmishers. Yeah. An example being that, like, a unit of five Ungor Raiders that I would take in my beast men. Sometimes I'm going to flee with them. If I choose to flee with them, I don't really care about them anyway. They're, yeah. they're a complete throwaway. <clears throat> they're a complete throwaway, yeah. yeah. So, okay. Okay, so uh, is there any other rules for the musician? It's yeah, just breaks ties in combat. Breaks oh, yeah. ties in combat. <clears throat> yeah. So, so then for a large unit, I mean, even aside from the swift reform ability, um, it, it, it's even though we've just said most combats tend to be pretty swingy. Uh, right. There's still plenty of times where yep. you do get into a combat, and it's like, does anybody have a musician? Sure. Musician. <clears throat> Bueller. Yeah. If it's an important unit to you, you want to give it every possible chance mm -hmm. it has of not fleeing yeah. from a and combat. Musicians so. are always the, the cheapest upgrade, mm -hmm. and the bigger the unit, the more important a musician is, really, I think. Um, now, is it the case with the 8th uh, edition army books that the command upgrades are fixed price for all armies? Actually, it's generally just 10 points, 10 points, points yeah. for every army. Yeah, yeah. okay. That's what I thought. And <clears throat> uh, not the case in the older books, unfortunately. No, so I'm no. still getting uh, 18 yeah. points for my standard bearer and right. stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, having said that, six points for musician. Uh, okay, so so that's musicians. Uh, last is the champions. The champion. Doo, doo, doo. So the champion, uh, there's, they kind of uh, fall into two categories. Um, you know they've got you've got the fighty champion mm -hmm. and the shooty champion, uh, probably the easiest way to think about it. Um, I don't even know if they still pew, do pew. them this way, but the yeah, pew, pew. the uh, the shooty champion usually gets an extra point of uh, ballistic, ballistic skill, skill. Mm -hmm. and the fighty champion gets an extra attack. Yep, that's how it is in the demons book. Yeah, yeah, that's how it is for the wood elves, um, lizard men. So. But those in themselves are really not the reason to take a champion. No, no, yeah, they're not. It's a nice not. little bonus. It's a nice bonus, but I would never pay 10 points for just an extra, one extra attack, attack on, on one model. model. Yeah, yeah, no, you wouldn't. You just take it on their model. So, yeah. <laughs> so the real point about taking the champion is for the challenge. Sure. Right? Mm -hmm. 
Well, challenge and wound allocation are the yeah. two things. Maybe we can go through them. Okay, in sure. Go for it. Well, challenge challenge first is obviously useful in any unit where you're going to have characters as well that you might want to keep safe or so um, you want the ability. Bunker, for example. In a, yeah, exactly. Or um, you just want to allow your characters to fight against the unit to do maximum damage against that unit. So Any kind do. of Death Star... Yeah, a champion can be valuable. Yep. Okay. Um, I certainly. So I take uh, uh, champions in my units where I'm going to put my battle standard bearer mm-hmm. um, and my wizard, um, and and I tend to use them to to uh, accept uh, to issue challenges more than accept them uh, because they're getting charged by demon princes and various other sure. nasty things in the backfield. <clears throat> that didn't work last time. <laughs> the hope being that you just you're still going to lose that combat by a long way due to overkill but you're just going to minimize the number of yeah. models you actually lose minimize the number of models i'm probably going to flee um you know you can maintain steadfast for a turn if you this is very true totally forgot that in our battle <laughs> i was in, I was in your flank oh yeah it doesn't matter no it yeah, doesn't matter I was in your steadfast. Flank and i doesn't killed matter. no you only you you challenged, we oh, challenged right. my champion and did like five wounds of overkill. Mm-hmm. And then I lost my wizard. So there we go. Lesson learned. So the other thing, the champion you're saying is about wound allocations. So right. Through that. So let's say you, let's say you have a unit that has a bunch of characters in the front rank. I'm thinking the great example here is like the Bretonian, uh, night bus or night lance. They call it, which is three models wide. Mm-hmm. Okay, you want the squishiest models in that unit are the rank and file. They're what your opponent is going to be directing all their damage against if they can. The Bretonian player will normally take two characters, a BSB and a general, with big ward saves, big armor saves in the front rank. So a lot of the models in the opposing unit are going to have to allocate their attacks against those two models and probably not do much damage because they're going against one up armor, four up ward saves, right? If you don't have a champion and there's a third model in that front rank and he's rank and file, then the opponent's unit can direct as many attacks as they can into that guy and they all count as being against the unit so they can wipe out essentially the whole unit apart from the two characters. In that front rank instead, if you just have a champion, so now you have your two characters and a champion, they can only direct attacks against either one of the characters or the champion, and against the champion you can do a maximum of one wound in that round of combat. Yeah. So you effectively save yourself from taking a whole bunch of wounds. Yeah, the same okay. thing is good for uh, Monstrous Cav if you put your champion. You know, a lot of Monstrous Cav might be running in three, mm-hmm. like Demigris might be running in three, and then if they have the musician and the standard... They get to put their champion kind of on either side that they want. Right. They can put their champion out on a side where they might be getting a flank charge. And uh, if they take the flank charge, doesn't matter how much the other right. person they does. They can maximum kill that one they model. They can kill that one model and the other two survive. So, yeah. Yeah. And the same with shooting as well. Mm-hmm. Say, I have my three monsters, Kev, and they're taking a whole bunch of hits from, from shooting. I can, instead of them all just going into the unit and potentially killing one whole model in the unit. I can allocate some of them to the champion, 
well, some I, to the unit. I'm not sure you can do that. You can do that. Can you? Yeah. No. Uh, yeah, yeah so that. it has to be an even spread, right? It has to be an even spread. <clears throat> oh, okay. Exactly. If it's under five, you can spread under it around. Five, okay. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. So then uh, which units are we taking champions in? Because uh, we talked about a whole bunch of possible scenarios there mm -hmm. where it made sense. And yet uh, I, I seem to think that champions are are among the least popular choices in the command groups. I think they're great if you have any characters in them that you don't want getting challenged I, out. I, and I think that's, yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you're protecting a squishy character, mm -hmm. um, you know, that's absolutely makes sense. That's an auto-include. But what about any other situations? Um, yeah, really, I think that's the, for me personally, that's the only reason I really take them. I, all my Night Goblin units have them in there simply because I'm always throwing you know my my shaman or or whatever in any given unit depending on deployment so i want to have that flexibility to just throw it in any one of the three without having to think about which one has the champion you know mm -hmm. so i think uh, uh one pattern that i've seen multiple times is to have the champion in a unit of if you're monstrous cav and you've only got a very small number um like three uh, to have a champion in there um, and I don't know if it's necessarily for the extra attack. Um, I suspect it might be more likely because you want to, um, do some of those tactics that you were just talking about, but I do see it in, in small, yeah. big, uh, monstrous cav units. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, also sometimes champion can take some, some nice kit that helps out oh, yeah. the unit. That's right. There are some armies where like, the champion can get a magic item or... Can or, Temple Guard still do that? Uh, remember, we used to be able to do that with them. But. I don't think so, but I know that the Dark Elf champions can in the in some of the elite yeah. Dark Elf units, same for High Elves. Now I've got to look. Gonna... So, so a nice little trick that some people with uh, shooting armies do, so Empire would be an example here. Um, you can, in a unit of handgunners, let's say, you can take a champion who has a pistol... Mm -hmm. And it kind of helps out the whole unit um, in a stand-and-shoot reaction. Because remember, in a stand-and-shoot reaction, you assume that the opponent um, moves to within the range of your shortest ranged weapon before the shot happens. Yep. So if you have handgunners with range 24 and a pistol of range 12, you assume that your opponent comes to within 12 inches before the shot happens. So mm. the handgunners are no longer taking the minus one penalty for a long range interesting oh interesting yeah wow because a lot of people forget that when you make a stand and shoot reaction you still have to take the penalty for long range if people are charging from from Outside. further away than your short range i you know i i honestly have never come in across that because my short range right is 15 people are generally not charging yeah a good example mm -hmm. of this would be my um my Chaos Dwarf Fireglaves, their range is 18 inches. Yeah. So generally I'm shooting at long range if people are charging and I'm standing and shooting. So I, so should... I take um, a champion who can take a thrown weapon, uh, a little bomb he can take, which nice. is range 6 inches. So now you assume they move to within 6 inches before the shot happens. Hmm. And I'm no longer taking my, my minus 1 penalty. Tom cheats. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm just using the rules, no, that, man. That's, that's just fantastic. Using that's the a rules. great idea. Yeah. It's because the rule is dumb, 
I mean, <laughs> didn't they know you're not supposed to shoot until you can see the whites of their <laughs> the eyes? The whites of the eyes. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, revered guardians can take a 25-point magic weapon. So. Oh, nice. Mm. Yeah. So, so yeah. they can still do it. Yeah. So that, I like that. I mean, I like that. I like the flip like of it that, too, yeah. and I like the practicality of it. Yeah, it gives that unit, um, you don't have to pay for a full character, and if you are worried about ethereal or something like that, you can throw in a cheap, you know, cause fear sword or something and and still yeah. have a couple attacks well in the temple guard that's three attacks magical you could yeah you could take out a take out a little ethereal thing or something you know, yeah pretty cool 25 points you can there's quite a few things you can do for that so all right neat so i think that kind of uh covers off uh that covers off all three musician champion standard um we talked about when we would take them, when we wouldn't take them, uh, kind of the pros and cons of each. I think, I think we kind of stack rank them. Certainly, the musician, um, it's it, you're unusual to not take a musician, right? Um, uh, champions, we think, uh, I would say, are are generally if you need a character bunker, and you or you know that you're going to have blood and glory, mm-hmm. um, and then. Did I say champions or standard bears? No. Champions. champions. Yeah. Oh, God, I got confused. It's late at night. Uh, champions, sorry, if you don't need a character bunker. And standards, uh, if it's for a, a, a heavy combat unit uh, and or uh, blood and glory. All right. Woot. Woot. There we go. Done. <laughs> Command groups, done. That's it. That's all you need to know. Let us never speak of them again. Right. <laughs> Unless my army is like three points over and then that musician's gone. <laughs> <laughs> and then you, you instantly lose combat by yeah, one. Exactly. <laughs> Curse the whole time. Ah, I, I reform. Sw- oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Hobby Horse. So I always thought uh, that display boards were just kind of one of those Things that you did if you had too much time on your That's hands. what I always thought too, until I realized that people have actually made this a part of tournaments now. Well, even beyond that, um, the, my, my first experience of going, huh, I really want a display board, was when I came to the first Sparkle Party deathmatch, and it was a real pain in the butt to move my army around from one table to another. Yeah, but a tea tray does the job as well as a display board. <laughs> it, so, does. it does. A, a, what, a what tray? A tea tray. Uh, a tray for tea. Our, are you Is having this... tea with the with the queen? What, I'm having tea with the with the chaos dwarfs. That's it. That's out in the tea tray. It's a, it's a TV dinner tray here. Oh, that's <laughs> what you call it? No, I don't know. What do you call this a little tray? This is America. You know, a this coffee is, tray? It's just a tray. No, we don't have tea trays. Just a we tray. don't have this. tea trays? What do you Says new? the man who drinks tea more than anybody this in the room. <laughs> um, it's about two feet by one feet. It's about... <laughs> No, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that really is kind of the main use for them, um, is to just be able to move your models around at tournaments. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think people just realized, hey, it's also a place that I can schnazz up my army just a little bit more, make it feel uh, more in situation. So tea tray is not a word here, but schnazz is. Schnazz <laughs> is totally a word. <laughs> And you're you're never gonna fit in. I will never fit in there. <laughs> I have a green card, but I'm an imposter, really. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Um, 
for for me, um, my first display board was for my uh, my first um, incarnation of the Night Goblins. Um, it was a um, two foot by two foot uh, piece of uh, pink uh, extruded polystyrene foam that had another two feet backdrop that was uh, an old a replica of an old temple ruin from a Greek temple that uh, my roommate at the time, he uh, cracked out and built for me um, as as my birthday present. It was really, really cool. Um, I have some old photos of it way, way deep, deep in my Flickr. Super cool. Um, I took it to a tournament once. I think this was back before uh, people were kind of into these display boards. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's cool, but it's way too big. Way, just, just way too big. Over the top. Way too big. What are you thinking? Get that out of here. <laughs> and I was like, but it's, it was cool. It looks cool, man. Um, and, but it was really, it was only two, two foot by two foot, and it was about, you know, two feet tall. Um, and it had goblins just crawling all over it. I thought, <laughs> I thought it looked really cool, you know. I, I would have thought people wouldn't react so negatively to it. But They just thought you were a giant nerd. I guess so. Um, <laughs> So, so that actually, uh, so obviously that was one you built. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's kind of two broad approaches in that you can, you can kind of scratch build, mm-hmm. or you can, you can uh, buy one that's pre-built and then, and then paint it and 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 or add to it. Yes. Right. Yeah. So I mean the that one at, at its core was one of the simplest things. It was a sheet of polystyrene. Um, I know a lot of people prefer that. You know, just like the blue foam, pink foam. Um, That's because it's super light. That's one nice thing that you should try and keep in mind. If you're going to really pimp your display board, try and use materials that are going to keep it light. Um, I've often thought about like, oh man, I should build this huge, you know, big castle with the Hearst Arts. And then I'm like, oh, that would be about 40 to 50 pounds of plaster. <laughs> and and an army on top of that, and you know all the glue and everything. You're, you're looking at a hundred pound display board. You don't want to be lugging that around, right? So we need to be on wheels. Yeah, Let's you bring don't. Some yeah. friends to the tournament. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just beep beep beep, <laughs> driving your forklift around. It, it's uh, so the the good thing about polystyrene is it's light, and you know you can carve it up if you wanted to carve the edges or something. And it's also it's also very rigid. Yeah, it's so, rigid. It's rigid. It's cheap too. You can get a big sheet of that for what, like ten bucks for the yep. four by or the two by eights or something like that. Yeah. And um, so if you're just trying to build a basic board, that's a good a good substance to use. Um, there's also people who uh, you can just go and get a picture frame. That's a really quick and easy way to do it. Get a picture frame. Um, you can take the glass or the plexiglass out whichever one it is usually you know you're buying a cheap frame it's going to be plexiglass and you can just uh, glue sand straight onto the backing board of that and you've got a display board with a pretty edge around it already Hmm. Um, those are super easy you could also hit a um, like value village goodwill salvation army you can find old frames like that for dirt cheap you know they usually sell them for about a dollar take a can of primer to it prime it up black it looks good um so uh so it's kind of getting started a a hobby side with the with the you know cheap end of the of the um, 
of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, Tom, you've just started um, with your display board for your Chaos Dwarfs. Mm-hmm. You've gone and bought one of the tiles. I just went for the easy, easy option. Yeah, I bought one of the tiles from the Realm of Battle board. Mm-hmm. I went to... Um, the local GW in Linwood here. Yeah. And um, normally they they sell those tiles in the, the pack of six, which yeah. is the entire board, or they sell a extension, which is two of the flat boards you put in the middle. But the guy at the store told me I could, you know, take any of the six that I wanted. So I took one that had a nice, uh, ter- nice hill on it that I can lay things out on nice. and some big patches of skulls and stuff all over the place so it looks like a nice chaos dwarf hellscape. like their skulls. They do like the skulls, yeah. yeah. I'm going to green stuff over some of the skulls, I think. It's a little skull heavy, but... <laughs> How much did he charge you for that? Uh, 45 bucks. That's not bad. So, yeah. not okay. bad, yeah. For something that's already modeled up. And... Yeah. yeah. Right, so really, you yeah. just need to apply paint. Yeah, it's a two by two foot big chunk of sturdy plastic. Too big. Terrain. Too big. Up, yeah. It's too big, man. <laughs> What do you think? It is quite big it's a for 5, a very thousand point army for you, Taylor. <laughs> quite yeah. big for a very small army yeah. of the Chaos Dwarfs, yeah. 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 But I have some um, extra terrain bits I'm going to put on there to kind of make it make it look like the outskirts of a fortress kind of thing. Okay, yeah. cool. So that's another approach: is is take the the pre built terrain pieces, um, paint them up nicely. Right. Then you can use them in the battle, but it's also nice on your on your display board. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for my wood elves, uh, I took the, the the styrofoam, I cut another piece in the shape of a hill and stuck that on top, and then it's just, I basically treated it like an enormous base on a on a miniature, right? You know, I, I just based it up after that and 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 laid out the miniatures on it. I what I did do though um, ahead of time was I, I kind of uh, put my army down on the the board before I stuck everything down and before I cut everything out. Mm-hmm. And just with blocks of styrofoam went, how's this going to look? Are, are the models all going to sit up on the hill on their movement trays? Um, you know, are they uh, are they going to look nice when they're kind of uh, laid out? Uh, you know, this sort of typical army I take. Mm-hmm. And then I said, well, here's a few other lists that I sort right. of take. Do they all fit on there? You don't want to make it too specific to a particular mm-hmm. army list if it wants yeah. to get a lot of use out of it. Yeah. If you, if you really lock yourself into a small board, and you add a unit or two, you can find yourself crowding them on there to a point where it just doesn't look good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, or you can't see the detail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, and then the, the, the I talked in the, in the first episode about my Lizardman army that I'm planning out and I'm building. So the first step that I've done there, I actually went to a computer graphics program uh, on, the, on the computer and I drew out a to scale two foot uh, by two foot block and and kind of drew, sketched in on it like a temple and and then got to scale for the, you know, different monsters and units mm-hmm. in the army and placed them on it and in all different configurations and said, OK, now I'm happy with the design of this temple. I, I'm uh, happy to go and build that because no matter how the army is going to be configured it's going to look great on there and mm-hmm. and it was also good as a kind of inspirational visual tech technique right you know just yeah before i bought anything here's what it's going to look like cool i'm excited to go and buy this stuff, yeah so. if mm-hmm. uh, if you're going to put a lot of time into one it's good to plan it <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> you don't want to um just slap something together then realize oh i, I forgot 
I have a whole other horde that I can't even fit on the board. <laughs> and um, or this big model is going to block the view of these yeah, infantry. Or yeah, yeah. to to do some some kind of raking too is good. Yeah, um, to really show off the models so you can see them all. Yeah. So I, over time, I've learned. I, I think I've done just about every kind of uh, board. My um, my wood elves was the picture frame um, with the just kind of sand glued on there. I did actually cut, I did a piece of um, foam core and I cut out specific squares for every unit and every model so that they actually sit flush with the board. Um, but now if I add anything, I have to redo the board. So not, not exactly like we said, you know, it's one of those things where you gotta, you kind of realize like, oh, well now I can't do anything more with it. Mm -hmm. But I still have the frame so I could switch out the foam core probably pretty easily. Um, then I already described the the first goblin board. Um, my Skaven board is uh, um, built on these artist boards, and that's the other thing I wanted to talk about. Um, they're what I've kind of finally landed on being my preferred um, base for uh, boards. And what they are, we're going to put a link I think in the in the show notes that talks of, that goes over to uh, either Utrecht or Dick Blick where you can buy them and they're um they're they're like an artist canvas but instead of being canvas they're a piece of thin plywood over the top and they're called artist art boards whatever i don't know but they have they have a frame kind of on the back flat surface you can glue whatever you want on them and they don't warp they don't um bend and they're, they're really sturdy light. super light still yep um light enough you know that you can hang them on a nail on the wall and so they're light to hold. Mm -hmm. um, you can. The, the added benefit is is they're a lot more durable. The when you do the polystyrene ones, they they tend to get beat up pretty quick. You you go to slide one on a table that has any kind of sand texture on it, like any kind of gaming table, and it just sands the bottom right <laughs> off of them, right? And then you're left with all this foam all over the place. Um, these wooden ones are a lot more durable. You you can actually put handles. You can screw handles on the side if you want. Um, and then I, you know, for the for my Skaven, I used one of those, and it actually was a, um, I think it was a eighteen by maybe a twenty eight. It was kind of it's a no. I think it was actually a twenty four by thirty. It's a twenty four by thirty because the Skaven army is just that big. Um, there's just so many big hordes and, um, my slaves are in buses of 60. So, you know, you got, you, you got a lot of models to work with there and, but it's pretty basic, but it was on one of those art boards. Um, not a lot of, not a lot of fanciness going on. And then the goblin one was another one of the art boards. Um, I built edges around it to support all, everything that goes inside. And I did that with, uh, MDF did all kinds of fancy box joining and mounted that actually with, you know, wood glued to the box and then built inside of that. And when you get, when you start building those, those big ones, that, big, that one probably took me a couple months. Um, I did a lot of what would be called mass studies where I took my models and, or if I didn't have them painted yet, I took other models that could stand in for them. And I was putting them all throughout the display and I was taking bottles and crumpled up paper and anything I could in the house 
and building up masses and being like, oh yeah, if I have a, have a big chunk of wall here and a unit coming out of a cave here, and maybe I put a big, a big bridge up here. And so I, I had like stuff balancing all over in there and I had my models kind of like precariously balancing on top of bottles of soda or salt or whatever. And, and then that helps you kind of get the idea of how you want to mass stuff out and, and how much you need to build up. And then you, that's, you do that before you actually start cutting foam. And it really does help, you know, help you kind of lock that in. Cause yeah, I, I, I did sketches, but, um, you know, it's hard to draw these models to scale in a sketch or, and really see how that feels. So you got, it's hard to take the two dimensions yeah. and, and really mm -hmm. visualize it in the three. Yeah. So, and I also gave up on the idea of ever recessing the bases because, um, or I'm, I'm considering doing it with, uh, the lizard men if I do the lizard men display base. Um, but only because I really want them to feel like they're in the jungle. Um, but for the goblins, I didn't want to because that army's going to keep growing over the years probably, and I don't want to be locked in. I'm already to the point where I'm almost filling up that whole, the whole bottom is it's hard to fit anything, and I'm, the bridge I can maybe get another unit or two. Yeah, maybe, maybe <laughs> I'll have to start. I might have to like go in and build some scaffolding or something in there to make it look overrun and have room. So we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, we, we've, the base itself, uh, mm -hmm. with the star foam, um, these, uh, um, artist boards, um, uh, picture frames and so forth. But then, uh, you know, you were talking there about, uh, building up into the third dimension. Um, you know, the used MDF for the sides, but you also mentioned foam. Yeah. Um, you know, I want to know a little bit about, you know, the kind of things that you might make the, the rest of the, the battle board out of or the display board out of and then and then how do you go about applying the paint and texture and, okay. and all that sort of stuff so um i for anything that you need to build up i would stick with the foam again um the, the polystyrene it, it's shapeable and carvable and if you want to you can press rocks into it and get a and it leaves you with a rock texture um so the the goblin cave um the Skaven board, um, they all were built with polystyrene. And um, so what I did once I finally figured out my layout, I, I just was taking chunks of scrap of polystyrene from other projects from building hills and stuff. And I was just hot gluing it together into these rough shapes. And then I took um, a hot wire knife and I shaved that down to give it kind of a smoothish rocky texture. And then I roughed that up just by scraping rocks across it, pressing stuff into it, um, whatever it takes. You can kind of, you can sit down with that stuff and just kind of start playing with it. You can be like, oh, I'm going to carve it like this and see how that looks. Does that look like a rock I like? Maybe not. So try some other stuff. You can actually, um, I wouldn't, wouldn't do it inside, but you can sand if you need to. Um, you don't want to breathe this stuff, so if you're sanding it, do it outside. Yeah. If you're, Even with a hot knife, it, it's, yeah, it, it smells stinks. disgusting. Yeah, <laughs> make sure you're doing it somewhere where you can get some airflow. Um, I've, I've actually taken a candle and kind of melted some rough edges down because they were just too rough. 
And so there's there's all kinds of different stuff to do. Just burning plastic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it is a pretty forgiving medium. It is, and it's super cheap. So even if you mess it up, you're not mm -hmm. out a huge amount of dollars. Yeah, and and um, it glues super easily with hot glue, and it's if it's well supported, it's pretty durable. Um, paints up without really having to do much more than um, prime it. Don't don't rattle can prime it. That just melts it. Um, which can give you an interesting effect, but, um, <laughs> you know, if you're going for Nurgle or something, but, um, you, you will kind of need to, you'll need to do some kind of brush on acrylic primer or just brush on acrylic paint or whatever before to seal it up. Um, the thing, the other thing that I've found that I really like, um, it's called, it's made by Am Amico, something like that. It's, uh... Yeah, I think it's Amico. I'll I'll have to I'll find a link and I'll give it to Aiden to put in the show notes again. Sure. It's a um, paper mache pulp, and it comes in these big bags of, that just looks like fluffy white cotton candy, and you pull it out and you mix it up with water, and it becomes paper mache, but it's completely pulp form instead of like you know like we used to do in school with strips of newspaper, and um, you just squish that on, and when it it squishes on really well super light and it has a nice rocky texture just on its own and you can actually use it too on the base it gives it a nice ground texture um, you can paint it up brown you can paint it up gray and it just looks either like dirt it looks like stone however you paint it it kind of has just a really nice natural rough texture and um well, that stuff sounds pretty cool i never it heard is. of it before yeah and it's it's so light when it dries it's just, it's pretty incredible and uh, you paint it up and once you get that layer of paint on there it becomes really really hard you can knock on it and it just makes the foam sound hollow it's like clunk 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 it's a really cool stuff um and it's actually fairly cheap too um if you start getting down to detail like really high detail stuff um i suggest balsa foam that's another one that you probably don't want to breathe, but it's really, <laughs> it's kind of a yellowy, yellowy foam, um, and about the color of the, the printing in the white dwarf. It's really expensive. Um, so you don't want to build an entire board out of it. I've actually seen pictures that the people in France several years ago, like the GW France built an entire Lizardman city out of it. I don't know where they got the budget. I think I think that's why we're still paying, you know, fifty bucks for a kit is to pay off all that balsa foam. Expensive and very bad for the health. Yeah. It sounds so, like a drug or something. Yeah, so it it's super soft. You can you can kinda you don't even really need to carve it. You can just touch kinda just draw on it with a pencil and that kinda just helps that just dents it in and, and it won't pop back out like some of these um other foams like the extruded polystyrene holds air in there. And that's what actually gives its insulation properties. This stuff is kind of passed through, I guess. Like air could pass through it, so it, it doesn't pop back out if you press in on it. Uh, according to the uh, Dick Blick website, balsa foam is an amazing plastic foam that carves like butter and paints like wood. <laughs> carves like butter. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> more importantly, uh, like a 9-inch by 12-inch by 5-inch block is 50 bucks. Yeah. So, so it's not cheap. It's super expensive, but... I use it for. I see what you mean. Good yeah, for details. It, yeah. yeah. So the if you've noticed my um, the goblin display board, there's a little dwarf face right in the middle of the. Um, in your bridge. In the middle of the bridge. Mm -hmm. That's balsa foam because okay. trying to carve that kind of detail out of the pink foam, it's doable but it's hard. Um, the balsa foam makes that super easy. You can just kind of mm. 
do a sketch on paper, hmm. trace it onto there with a just by retracing over the the lines again, and it leaves a dent in the foam, and then you can just start carving. And hmm. you can do that with any of your normal green stuff sculpting tools. You don't even need special tools. And then it, you know, you paint that up. It looks just like the other foam. So cool. It's right pretty on. cool. Um, another thing that's good um, if you're doing large surface, like if you wanted to do a rock wall or um, like a, the surface of the bridge. In in my case, you can take rubbing alcohol and spray it on. Um, just take a squirt gun full of rubbing alcohol squirt it onto foam core, let it soak through just a little bit, and it'll help release the uh, the glue that holds the paper to the foam. And you can peel off all of that, and then you'll have just a really super thin sheet of foam that's you know about an eighth of an inch thick. And um, it's really hard to get a sheet of foam like uh, the extruded, the extruded polystyrene, I'm getting tired of saying that. Um, but this those those really thin sheets of um, of the foam core. Once you peel off one side or even both sides, if you want, you can carve it just like you would other foams. And it, if you leave one side with the paper backing on, you can do curves. So you can actually make like round towers with foam on the outside and texture the foam on the outside. So that's another fun Very thing neat. to try. So yeah, yeah you just got to get some rubbing alcohol and you know. And a squirt gun. Yeah, make sure you don't have any cuts <laughs> on your hand, or you're gonna be crying. Yeah. Um, cool. So yeah. when you, when you go to a tournament, what what proportion of people would you say have display boards, and what portion is it something quite elaborate like what you're talking about versus something that's basically a glorified tea tray, just to, <laughs> just to carry the army around on while looking, you know, better better than a tray, obviously. Yeah. Um, well, you know. It's about the same as what what I saw at Las Vegas Open was pretty much the same as what we see at Sparkle Party. Like uh, Sparkle Parties, we have what three or four display boards, mm -hmm. perhaps. Um, maybe one or two of those is slightly above average on the the effort that went into it. And then there's probably maybe ten people who brought just a board that maybe has some green on it, mm -hmm. something like that. And then there's a bunch of people who are there and borrowing trays from the catering company to move their models around. Yeah, so. it'll be interesting to see actually when we go up to Gatacon, um, just how many display boards there are there. I suspect it'll be a similar ratio. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I I would love it. it I, I just think it it's another part of the hobby. It's a way to give it your is. army it's context. So what you're talking about is is really a kind of big hobby project in itself. Yeah. It's not just like yeah. a, a last, a, you know, the last part of my army. Yeah. No, I, I, it's, it's absolutely really not. Own. And and that's one thing that I was, that I was, uh, I guess, very inspired by, by Ricky's Night Goblin display board with the Lizardman. That's why I started with the board because I wanted it to be, you know, mm -hmm. this is the army. They're always mm -hmm. on here. And I, and I, being the nerd that I am, created like all this backstory and right. and, and fluff for the temple and uh, good yeah because it takes the army from something you just use to play your game with to like taking on a life of its own yeah exactly and, like, and you get more invested in it yeah. and it becomes a, a labor of love way more than just oh I got to slap paint on these guys to get them on the battlefield right yeah mm. yeah and uh, seriously it gives your army a whole nother level of appreciation you can you put it in there and you just sit there and you're like. 
wow, that looks good. So do you, <laughs> do you think it's more more people who are into the 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 army fluff or fluffy armies would do rather than just a power gamer who has no yeah. real like story behind their army? It's just whatever is best yeah. for the for yeah. the game. I think I mean, there's always going to be people in the game who. Like you said, our power gamers, they're going to paint to the minimum standard because they just want to get whatever the the next best model on the table is. Um, I, I don't know that those kind of people are ever going to be into display boards. And so I doubt that there'll ever be um, any tournament scene that ever is completely dominated by display boards. Mm-hmm. Um, but in an ideal, in my ideal world, yeah, everybody would have one. <laughs> you know it would just yeah. be awesome i i would love to see like a, a a tournament of you know 30 display boards where where each display board told a small story or what i've always wanted to do is do a doubles tournament where the are the two boards could sit side by side and tell a really cool story nice, nice. Mm-hmm. um it's actually kind of what i was hoping to accomplish with the washington state masters was you know i i've said in the in the tournament pack that all armies must be 100% painted, right? So I want to have something that's very visually impressive and something that that people feel like when they look at it that peop- that the armies have gone above and beyond, mm-hmm. you know, gone the extra mile. So I I hope that when we get there um that we'll have uh display boards for everything. Um and it'll just uh, I think it'll just make the uh, everything better. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Life is better with display boards. Well, yeah, TM. Yeah. finesse. <laughs> you would, yeah, exactly. you would think that if you were at the the level that you were being competing to be the master, that part of that is the hobby aspect yeah, too. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Oversized meatball. Okay, so I think that wraps up uh, episode three of uh, Dimensional Cascade. So I uh, just want to reiterate, we've got um, our blog at dimensionalcascade.com slash blog. And the forum's just at uh, dimensionalcascade.com. So you can come along, join. And uh, I think what I'm going to do is put up a thread um, for people to comment on each episode. Um, because I've got comments from emails and, and various other places where people were like, I'm not sure exactly where the best place to write this is, but um, so I'll, I'll throw in that thread. And we're also on Twitter um, at Cascade Podcast. Um, so feel free to reach out to us there. Follow us that way. Um, and our next episode is going to be awesome because we'll be here with the new dwarf book in hand, giving a full review of it, yeah. hopefully. And then we can yeah. be done we'll with have... these silly dwarves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully we'll have playtested it yeah. Or, yeah, already. Yeah, we should get at least, uh, at least one game, game in. in. Yeah. And uh, Belagar, the champion of this week's uh, Arena down. of Death, is going to yeah. take on the next challenger, whoever that may be. It's going to be a Nurgle demon prince. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right, got to get him well, painted. <laughs> he's right there, fully painted. All right. Oh, he's yeah. right there. Sorry. I'm gonna. I'll pick up Belagor this weekend if I can and get yeah. it painted. All right. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. We should. We should. We'll get that. We'll get that done, and we'll take some photos of the of the the death match. All right. Cool. Thanks very much for listening, and we are out of here. Good night. Good night.